Hi, I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So, it is the month of July 2021, and it is once again that time of the month wherein we do our very special Catching Up on Blu-ray episode. Uh, If you aren't familiar with the format of these episodes, essentially what we do is we take a look at the physical media release calendar, uh, so that would be DVDs, 4Ks, and Blu-rays and whatnot, uh, and just take a look at what's coming out when and say a little something about anything that catches our eye. Uh, And in joining me in this endeavor, I, of course, have my good buddy Brad from the CinemaSpeak podcast. How's it going, Brad? It's going great. Another month, another month of Blu-ray, another month of spending uh, too much money on Blu-ray. It's just a a wonderful cycle. Oh, yeah. This will be an interesting one because uh, I don't know why this always ends up being the case, but we are uh, kind of recording this towards the end of the calendar month, towards the end of July 2021. Uh, and I, I can tell you straight up, uh, I already have spent a little bit of money on some of the Blu-rays that we'll be talking about, and I will, of course, be sure to point them out. I don't know if that's the case for you, Brad, if you bought any new releases recently. I've gotten at least one thing. I can say I've at least purchased one thing from this month. So, Okay, well, yeah, that is, that is the dark side of this show. Is essentially, this is Brad and I kind of uh, dog-earing anything that uh, we could potentially waste our hard-earned cash on (laughs) so this is us indulging our habit uh in for better or for worse (laughs) Um, uh so folks at home uh if you would like to follow along with us with the home version of catching up on blu-ray uh you can do so by just navigating to the lovely website blu-ray.com and then head to the release date calendar and uh this is of course july 2021 so just navigate to that month Uh, And also, if you're not familiar with how physical media releases generally work, they do occur typically on Tuesdays of each week. Uh, So we'll be sure to point out the release dates of anything we talk about. So it looks like our first Tuesday of July 2021 uh, falls on July 6th. And right out the gate, uh, we have an intensely varied but uh, kind kind of interesting week of releases. Uh, so the first big one that jumps out is a 4K release of Edgar Wright's Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Now, Brad, is this debuting on the format? Uh, I believe so. I kind of just assumed it was, but I'm pretty sure this is the debut. Yeah, I don't see a different release listed on the Blu-ray page. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, th- this is a 4K debut for Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Uh, have you seen this film, Brad? I have. Uh, I've only seen it a couple times. I gotta say, I, I like it, but uh, when it comes to Edgar Wright, it's not my favorite of his. I think uh, some people really love this film, and that's that's great. Uh, I don't know. Just for me, I think uh, not even close to uh, the weakest film in his uh, Cornetto trilogy. But uh, it's still good. It's still good. It's still uh, worth owning in some regard. I don't. I probably won't be picking it up on 4K at least right away. But uh, you know, it's it's fun at least. Yeah, I. It's funny. Edgar Wright's one of those directors that I I like to pretend I don't know his filmography very well. But when I think about it, it's like aside from like if you just count his feature film filmography, he really doesn't have a whole lot. Like yeah. his output hasn't been massive over the years. So in actuality, I have seen probably most of his movies um i just don't feel like i know him all that intimately probably because i didn't catch on to him very early uh the cornetto trilogy of course uh, beginning with Shaun of the dead uh, i still have yet to see that film 
Uh, and in fact, uh, we did an episode with the, the folks from the Grief Burrito podcast, uh, Harrison and Jordan, uh, on The World's End, which um, prior to that, I had only just seen Hot Fuzz like maybe a year before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, I think Baby Driver may have been the first movie of his I'd seen outside of Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim was the first film of his I saw. I never read the source comic. Um, but just from a stylistic standpoint and in terms of like editing and shot composition, uh, I find Scott Pilgrim to be a lot of fun. But yet something something was just missing to the point that maybe I was the wrong age when I came to it because I, I just have never felt compelled to revisit it which is saying a lot given how much how likable a lot of the cast is and how how good the energy of the film is there's just some magical little something that's missing that just doesn't really compel me to come back to it um but it's a very handsome film like if it was on tv and i was flipping channels or something uh, you can guarantee i'd probably stop for a couple beats of it um, yeah I, I i've kind of stolen this from a few other places this opinion but i uh It'll be interesting to see with Edgar Wright's next film, which comes out later this year. I got to say, I'm wondering if the more I see from him, the more I think the strength of that Cornetto trilogy is in Nick Frost and Simon Pegg and maybe Simon Pegg being a co-writer on the script because Baby Driver and Scott Pilgrim, like they're well-directed movies, but they don't just, they're not doing it for me quite like those, that trilogy. So I'm wondering if uh like Edgar Wright needs Simon Pegg and Nick like maybe that's the dream team I don't know um I mean now that you mention it uh like I said I'm not an aficionado on the man but you might be on to something there (laughs) Uh, because yeah Baby Driver should have been a lot better than it was again I can't put my finger on exactly what was wrong with it my my gut tells me tone and pacing like mm-hmm. it re- it reached way farther than it really should have. But that's the thing about things like The World's End and Hot Fuzz is both of those films do reach at times. And I know Shaun, Shaun of the Dead also does this as well, that it does have an emotional core to it. Only difference is they stick the landing in those films. They actually succeed in telling a multi-genre tale from front to back without without skipping a beat. Yeah. Whereas Baby Driver, it's like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, <laughs> like, 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 I don't. I this is not the movie I put on. Like, mm-hmm. like, like, the beginning of this movie is not where we ended up, and it's really, it's really throwing me for a loop. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the core relationships in. Uh like Shaun of the Dead, like the whole, the friendship in all those movies and also the relationship element in Shaun of the Dead, I think is pretty strong, like uh, him and his girlfriend. And uh, you compare that to Scott Pilgrim, like him and uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Like, I don't know. It's, you know, they kind of criticize that movie for it being like a manic pixie dream girl kind of thing where she doesn't have much personality. And I kind of agree. Like, it's not that I dislike her in the movie, but I don't know. They, their relationship just isn't that strong. And uh, the whole relationship, the romance in Baby Driver, I think is way over. Like, I don't know if it's just those stars and I didn't like their chemistry, but I was not feeling them as a couple at all. Yeah, I I don't have a thing for every Hollywood starlet, but Mary Elizabeth Winstead is one of those actresses that I just kind of go, oof. (laughs) And and, and, uh, I think it says a lot that, like I said, even with that, even taking that into consideration, I still don't really feel all that compelled to come back to that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, that's all I'll say on that. <laughs> In 4K, though, you might be coming back. In 4K, you might change it too. <laughs> 
I, I don't know, man. <laughs> we'll we'll see. That that's that's a tall order. But um, beside that, uh, we have a a duo of Criterion releases. Uh, I I skimmed uh, the release calendar prior to recording, and it looks like Criterion's kind of blitzing us this month. It looks like they have a lot of releases. Um, but our first one is Howard Hawks is bringing up Baby. Uh, Howard Hawks uh, is a is a name that I certainly recognize. Uh, he was known as being kind of a renegade in Hollywood, did a lot of racy material ahead of its time. Uh, so I would not be surprised if this one's a lot of fun. And uh, Mir, uh, funny enough, we just mentioned him on our very most recent episode of Catching Up on Cinema. Tarkovsky is the director of Mir. Uh, we mentioned him because uh, we in reviewing Atomic Blonde, uh, we did mention that his film Stalker is featured in the background of one of the scenes in that film. Uh, so I'm sure Mirror is filled with some lovely images. Uh, I, again, have not seen either of these films, but we do have a thing that we tend to say about uh, the Criterion Collection here at Catching Up on Cinema. It's that if it fits in the Criterion Collection, it is probably worth your time. But mm-hmm. uh, Brad, uh, are either of these films known to you? No, I mean, not, they're known, but I've never seen them. Um, I did consider they were both kind of on my list. They were right on the cusp of getting bought in the Criterion sale. And I got to say, part of it might be those covers. I re- the bringing up baby cover is real good. I like that artwork a lot. Um, and, you know, it's just like a, an all-time classic. The title, like, you know the title, you know the stars. It's just something like, when are you going to get around to eventually watching it? But I didn't purchase either of them, but they were right on the cusp. They were right there. Oh, no, I wouldn't have blamed you for it. I mean, Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant, that- quite the cast and quite the director as well and yeah the the cover art for both of them is quite striking um folks at home you should definitely look them up if you're at all curious um but beside that um is this a debut on 4k brad uh we have uh dr strangelove from uh stanley kubrick uh on 4k yeah on 4k it is yes Okay, yeah, I've noticed there's been maybe uh, maybe there's been a, some sort of loosening, uh, like an un- untying of the belt or something at the Kubrick estate or something, because I've noticed that there's been like a steady drip of his films coming out on 4K over the past like half decade or so. Yeah. Um, have you read any reviews on the quality of this disc? I actually no, I haven't looked into it too much. Uh, I still I'm quite a few behind because I I have a digi book of this. And then it did get released through Criterion on Blu-ray, and now it's coming out on 4K. And I still only have the the crappy digi book, so I I definitely need to upgrade. It's 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 time. Okay, well, Blu-ray.com gave it a five out of five in terms of visual fidelity, so that's a pretty that's pretty high praise. Beautiful. That's high praise. Beautiful. As a Nick Nicholas Cage would say on SNL. <laughs> <laughs> um, and beside that, Brad. Uh, is this a is this a Paramount Presents disc? Yes, uh, Paramount Presents of Forty Eight Hours and another Forty Eight Hours, uh, which I'm pretty sure have been on Blu-ray before, but I think they were out of print. Um, so uh, I just actually recently watched Forty Eight Hours for the first time. It was pretty good. Didn't like blow me away or anything. Um, so I don't know. Probably won't be picking these up. I kind of kick myself because I think I watched it and then found out like within a week that it was coming out through the paramount presents line it's like ah i mean it was free on amazon when i watched it so i saved myself some money but wouldn't have minded putting that on uh on my shelf <laughs> <laughs> oh well you know it it's not going anywhere although maybe it is because i don't know how these uh i don't know if these paramount presents discs are limited releases or by any means but um 
I actually haven't seen either of the 48 Hours films, but I'd very much like to because I, I am, of course, a big fan of the buddy cop genre. Uh, these are some of the earliest examples of that. Um, and not only that, I think at least the first one is directed by Walter Hill, mm-hmm. uh, who is kind of like a champion of tough guy cinema. <laughs> like, like he's he's one of those guys that you bring in to do those kinds of movies. He's worked with, I think, Chuck Norris and Steven Seagal and, and Sylvester Stallone at various points in his career. And in general, he does good work. Yeah. Like he does good grimy like detective slash cop dramas, and and he knows how to frame action. Uh, so yeah, I'd I'd be interested to check this out. Uh, you know, not only for the chemistry of the two actors, but but just to see like an early example of the genre because it is one that I is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I I watched the hell out of those Lethal Weapon movies when I was probably a little bit too young. Uh, for whatever reason, <laughs> Lethal Weapon 3, which in retrospect is maybe the only of the four movies that I could at all consider maybe a little bit bad. But for whatever reason, that was the one tape we had. Yep, so we just kept one. watching it. Yep. <laughs> so the one where Joe Pesci has uh, bleach blonde hair is the one that I watched. That's probably why. That's probably why. This, oh, yeah, yeah. No. Well... Yeah, I was that age too, where I probably thought, "Oh, oh, that's the movie with the guns and the the Home Alone guy." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, never mind that it's you know the third chapter in a long running franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I I would totally check these out. I wouldn't blind buy them, but uh, it's cool that they're getting a re release. Um, and moving on down though, we have a 4K release of Space Jam from 1996 and yes i did pronounce it space jam (laughs) i don't know if that's correct but i'm going with it um i i'm not gonna repeat the story because i think i mentioned this last time i talked to you brad but uh i i did see this film in the theater and i was deeply embarrassed (laughs) to be in that theater during the opening credits of space jam yeah Uh, didn't you say you were afraid you were going to get beat up or something or that was on a recent episode or something i had a sneaking suspicion that like some kid from my school was going to see me in there and like beat my ass (laughs) like in the theater or something yeah reminded me of the kid in home alone who got beat up for wearing uh dinosaur pajamas or whatever Yeah, no, it it was uh, it's a memory that's deeply in, ingrained where it's just like I'll never forget that moment because I actually wanted to go see that movie. The marketing campaign was relentless. Space Jam was everywhere. And I just remember sinking into my seat in the theater and just being like, "Oh my god, I can't be here." And then af- <laughs> after the after the titular Space Jam song uh ended, uh I I kind of eased into it, yeah. and I felt a little better. Mm-hmm. I, I think I saw Wayne Knight, and I, I parked right up. I was like, it's Newman. <laughs> it's Nedry. Yeah, he makes everything um, better. Oh, yeah. No, it was either him or Bill Murray that like calmed me right the fuck down, mm-hmm. and then, then the rest of it was just fine. Uh, but I have noticed there's a, a funny phenomenon where like people slightly younger than me, like just, just like a couple of years younger than me, think this is the bee's knees. Like. I, the fact that I'm saying the phrase "the bee's knees" tells you I'm a little bit older than those people, um, but but yeah, just just folks a little bit younger than me. Like it seems like Space Jam is is beloved uh, to to quite a few people, but for me, it just like I watched it. I I wanted to watch it. It just it didn't end up being as good as I wanted it to be. But mm-hmm. you know, I was I was like nine, so it was the wrong time, I guess. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I, uh, I don't know. I never really had this on as a repeat watch when I was younger and, uh, I don't know, never I've seen it, but it never really connected with me much. So, uh, I probably won't be picking this one up on 4k. I was kind of curious to, uh, revisit it before seeing the new one, but, uh, probably not going to happen. <laughs> well, let me ask you, Brett, are you going to see the new one? I will see it. I will see it. Uh, I just, uh, I mean, I've got a month before it goes off HBO Max. Um, yeah, you you have a bit of a project going on the Cinema Speak podcast. Yeah. Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> the the question is, who am I going to force to uh, watch it within the month before it uh, expires? Well, if you can't get any one of your you know actual friends to do it, I'll I'll volunteer. I, I will volunteer as tribute. I might have to hold you to that. I might have to hold you to that. <laughs> You do know yeah. it is an hour and 55 minutes, right? <laughs> Motherfuck, are you serious? Yeah, that's why I'm like, ooh, this is yeesh. Ooh, uh, ooh. You got some splaining I might, to I might be uh, able, I might have somebody else who's willing. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll let you know. Uh, okay, well, I'm I'm on deck okay. just in case. But, but uh, yeah, folks at home, if you're not aware of Brad's podcast, uh, he reviews more contemporary cinema on the Cinema Speak podcast, and he's kind of taking it as a personal challenge to – I don't know if you plan on doing full episodes on all of them, but basically he's he's going to review. He's going to review all of the HBO Max uh, simultaneous streaming and theatrical releases mm-hmm. as they come out. Yeah. So you Space do Jam, it. A New Legacy, or whatever the fuck it's called, is it's it's in line. It's got to happen. I think I <laughs> he's think got this, a month. <laughs> I think this will be the worst one. I think from here on out, it, it'll be uphill. Like all of them, kind of looking like, yeah, I can I can get down with that. We can review that. This is the one where it's like. This one I would not be seeing or reviewing if it wasn't for that commitment I made. But uh, you got it's a game changer. You got to do it. They changed the game. <laughs> well, whatever, Brad. I I appreciate that you're a, a man of your word, but you know I I feel for you, man. Like some sometimes sometimes you you blew it and you just don't know it till yeah. <laughs> until you run into a speed bump in the form of Space Jam: A New <laughs> Legacy. Um, Beside that, though, we have a very curious release of Howard the Duck on 4-fucking-K. Holy shit. Uh, This is debuting on the format. Uh, It's also arriving in steelbook form as well. Uh, This is the movie that George Lucas would very much like to take out back and put two in its its dome <laughs> but uh it exists sorry george um it's directed by i think george uh is this uh robert zemeckis i think is it uh, i think so it oh, has geez. his fingerprints on it uh no it's a uh, william Huyck, okay uh, who who is not known to me but i think zemeckis may have also played a part in producing it or something but uh, we got Jeffrey Jones and Leah Thompson and Tim Robbins, the man that does favors in there. Uh, have you seen this movie, Brad? I have not. Um, I'm definitely definitely curious, and I gotta wonder: is this um, coming out? Because uh, have you heard the, the stuff with Leah Thompson uh, pitching like a Howard the Duck sequel or a reboot or something to Marvel? Uh, I had I was not aware of that. So, um. <laughs> I guess I don't know how recent this is, but there's an article here. I saw the headline from the AV Club, and it says, Leah Thompson says Marvel Studios actually liked her Howard the Duck reboot pitch. Wow. Uh, Well, I mean, Howard the Duck has been featured in the MCU uh, to some extent. I can't speak for the the Loki series. I know that deals with, like, multiverses and whatnot, but he was in the stinger for, uh, I think it was Guardians of the Galaxy, and of course, he is p- 
technically a Marvel Comics character. Um, but this movie, of course, has no connection to that stuff. Uh, it, it's a it's a very odd duck of a mm-hmm. film. Um, I, I have seen it. Um, it. It's deeply unfunny at times, but then like the the production value like creeps in every once in a while and you're just like wow that was kind of cool looking it's like wow jeffrey jones like shit shit ass human being that he may be uh when when he shows up like for a role he really fucking shows up and it has its moments it has a lot of deeply unfunny moments as well a lot of cringe um but there's some absolutely tremendous uh i think it was phil Tippett stop motion work done at the very end um, and just good special effects work overall, although the, you know, the animatronic duck suit is not the best, but, <laughs> but you know, the uh, point is it's kind of all over the place. It's not nearly as bad as people make it out to be, mm-hmm. like as bad as George Lucas likes to talk about it. Like it's a bad movie. Don't get me wrong, but it's not offensively bad. I do like Leah Thompson. I do like I Leah do Thompson. So I do too. I guess she wants to uh, direct the new one. That was her. I said she. I saw a thing that said that uh, she saw Howard the Duck was trending, and she pitched out the idea. What if I direct a reboot? And I guess she actually met with Marvel. So, I mean, if if it's a good script, it's a good script. Yeah. You never know. Like maybe maybe you know all this time she's been quietly just like living in a cabin, writing the the world's best adaptation of Howard the Duck. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, she wants to revitalize her career through one of her failed. Uh, failed films i guess so <laughs> yeah uh she does have a musical number or two in the movie uh, it's, i gotta watch this uh yeah you, you should for for just you know history's sake mm-hmm. like just just for educational purposes it it's it's worth a watch uh, i don't know about a purchase especially on 4k but like i'm not paying fucking premium price for power the fucking duck but i, but, I gotta complete the uh, leah thompson collection i gotta i gotta complete the filmography <laughs> it has to be done yeah (laughs) moving right along though we have a we have a pair of uh, mvd rewind collection releases uh mortuary from 1983 and the house on sorority row also from 1983 um i'm taking a look at these brad and both of them unfortunately have those kinds of titles that make me feel like i know them but i don't think i actually know them yeah, for some reason I was thinking I feel like these have come out like three times already, but I just looked it up and I guess not. So I don't know why I'm thinking I've seen this pop up on a release calendar before. But yeah, I don't know. The, I mean, the House on Sorority Row. I guess maybe I just saw when it was announced. Um, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not familiar with these. Yeah, me neither. But uh, do you do you have any MVD discs in your collection? I don't think I do actually. You've got. Well, wasn't there one you bought just recently? I have exactly one. Uh, it's a drive. Uh, yeah, and it's a it's a handsome disc. Like they, they did did a great job with it. Uh, I have noticed that the a lot of the movies they release tend to be on the schlockier side. Uh, Drive is not one of those movies. Um, Double Dragons more more in their wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but I I can vouch for the the audio visual quality of the disc, and they even added a lot of supplemental features to it. So they they do good work from what I can tell. Um, but moving on down, uh, we have a release of E.T. on 4K. Uh, not entirely sure. Oh, it's just a steel book, so I'm guessing it's just a kind of 
we we have it so we're putting it out kind of release there's no anniversary or anything like that going on Um, but i'm gonna kick it over to you for a second brad what jumps out at you next well i gotta say just uh a weird release i don't really understand who this is for other than me um we've got a new steelbook of mortal engines on 4k the uh, box office bomb, the reviled Peter Jackson-produced Mortal Engines, which uh, I actually had fun with. I, I didn't think it was terrible. I thought there was some creative visuals, and for a young adult adventure movie, I, I thought it was pretty pretty good. Um, so I'm like the biggest Mortal Engines fan in the world just because I thought it was pretty good, I guess. Uh, so just a weird, weird release there. Uh, I mean, I already own it on 4K, but I feel like... I almost feel like it's my duty to pick it up because who else did they put this out for? <laughs> now, see, I've heard you mention that before, which is kind of why I was hoping you'd go into it. Yeah. Um, I I have not seen Mortal Engines. I everything you said about its reputation is is what I understand it to be. Um, but I see what you mean about some of like the the visual aspect of it. Like the trailers for it actually made it look like holy shit, mm-hmm. a lot of work went into this. Yeah. Like not not just money, like like straight up work and 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 artistic craft. Um maybe the storytelling was busted or something. Peter Jackson I uh, I know his name was thrown all over the place. Uh, this is one of those weird cases where he is just a producer. Um, but he was used chiefly as like the marketing tool for the movie, mm-hmm. which is not a good sign when when the producer of the film is the 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 bargaining chip you have to market <laughs> your movie. <laughs> um, but I I have always been curious about though, just because on a conceptual level it looked so unique, um, and on on an aesthetic level, uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on with costuming. Uh, it seems like it has like a, a steampunky vibe, but parts of it seem to be a little bit more advanced. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I really wasn't able to put it together in my head, and maybe that's the problem, Brad, because it had, like, just from a visual standpoint, it was giving me like a, a Jupiter ascending kind of vibe, where it's like I don't know what the fuck this is. <laughs> like it's very in, it's, it's not cohesive. I guess is is what was jumping out at me. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Um... But yeah, I just uh, I liked the whole idea of these like moving cities, and I, I thought there were a few good set pieces. The the last act of the film definitely it falls apart. The last act is is pretty horrendous. But uh, I will say that I I only saw it the one time in theaters, and everybody thought I was so cuckoo bananas for liking it. So I've continued to defend it again and again and again over the years. Uh, I did have one friend who uh, recently purchased a 4K TV. And he was like, oh, you should bring over one of your 4Ks so we can put it on and do a little demo of my TV. I'm like, yeah, sure. And I was looking, I was like, what's a good movie to just pop on and just watch a few sequences? And I was like, let's go with Mortal Engines. So I, I took Mortal Engines over there. And uh, first of all, he didn't realize that you had to have a 4K player. So we had to watch the Blu-ray. <laughs> so it was kind of, the whole purpose was defeated. But uh got to say, I was noticing a lot of those flaws that people were... Uh, criticizing it for um i was like maybe i've uh over oversold this <laughs> well at least you can be honest about that. yeah at least you can at least you can backpedal a bit and mm-hmm. not feel bad about it. um you know a, a movie is going to be a little bit different every time you come at it but ah the trials and tribulations of setting up a 4k system uh i do not miss that part of my setup uh 
Tell me, Brad, did you fuck up and get the wrong chords? Because I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, at, at my friend's, like, he just, I guess he thought that uh, PS4 was had a built-in 4K player. And so he, he was like, can we watch it on this? And I was like, I don't think so, bud. And uh, so we ended up having to uh, watch it on uh, on Blu-ray. So that, 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 that was on him. That was on him. Okay, well, I'll never forget when I got Aquaman on 4K and my player gave me an error message saying, your chords are too dumb. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go buy more expensive ones. <laughs> and I was like, well, fuck <laughs> you're already in. thanks you're, aquaman yeah, you're already in the hole you gotta go buy him now it's not like you can just be like no I, no i was like well i'm not i'm not not gonna watch aquaman yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah i i hope your buddy like got his 4k system figured out but yeah i would totally i would totally watch uh the mortal engines i would i would totally watch this movie i wouldn't blind buy it especially in steelbook 4k yeah um but i have always I've never forgotten about it. I kind of like in over the course of all the conversations we've had, Brad, you probably noticed that like these slightly off the beaten path movies are kind of the ones that I live for. Mm -hmm. It's like not necessarily even underappreciated, just underseen, I guess those kinds of movies. And much like you and your cult cinema, your, your horror films, your vinegar syndrome pickups and whatnot. It's kind of like that for me where it's like, I like those off the beaten path blockbusters that, that, should have should have been but never were <laughs> um and this is certainly a strong example of that i think a big part of why it flopped too is that i can't name a single person in the cast that could sell the damn thing huge cast uh featuring <laughs> hugo weaving um and that's about it uh, <laughs> uh of, of all the names listed he's like fourth or fifth bill yeah and that's literally the only one i know um, which again falls back to why they probably used Peter Jackson as the marketing tool. Cause it's like, who do we got? It's like, uh, we got the guy from New Zealand <laughs> that that didn't actually make the thing. It's like, well, fuck. But uh, it's funny too, cause my uh, my girlfriend really likes uh, young adult like fiction and uh, cinema. So I bet she would actually like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if she's seen it. Maybe she has, because she has watched a lot of this shit. <laughs> but I'll have to ask her, actually. Check it out, man. Check it out. Yeah. Uh, but let's move on. Uh, so I'm just going to skim over a few releases here. That uh, We have an Emmanuel movie uh, from 1978. Uh, of course, there are gobs of those, and there are lots of naked breasts in all of them, I'm sure. Uh, and fittingly enough, we have a film called Icy Breasts from 1974. <laughs> that is quite the title. There are no breasts on the cover, though. Uh, the only female is facing away from us. Uh, we have another Emmanuel movie from 1976. Uh, we have The Black Marble, The Road to Selena, and then we have an Arrow release of something called Threshold from 2020 that has uh, the right color palette uh, to sell in 2021. Uh, but beyond that, I don't know what this is, Brad. Um, I watched a trailer for it. I don't really remember what it was either, but I do want to call attention to the fact that uh, Arrow Video had to do another disc replacement with this release. There was an audio issue. I don't I don't even know what the audio issue was, but they released a statement. They're doing a replacement program, so, I mean, that's good that they're owning up to it. But, man, I tell you, Arrow has been having a lot of botched uh, releases in the last few months. They are becoming a bit of a scream factory and uh you know I, I was holding them to a pretty pretty higher standard and uh 
Um, I don't know. I don't know. I it's at least they're owning up to it. You can get the replacement, but they've had quite a few lately. And I think some people are speculating could be because of the pandemic. They haven't had uh, the resources to you know go through and really make sure these releases are fully top notch and there's no issues. So they have to put them out and uh, then people notice them. So I mean that could be part of it. But yeah, they start. It all started with the Donnie Darko one, and it's just gone on from there. Yeah, I I really don't I can't really conceive of a reason as to why this sort of thing would happen, but that's that a little bit alarming that's increasing in regularity. Mm-hmm. Um but in general I know Arrow to be a very solid disc publisher, so that's that's unfortunate. Um but I'm going to kick it back to you, Brad. Uh what jumps out at you next? Um let's see here. I mean, we can mention a couple of releases from Cauldron Films. Uh, I don't know too much about them. Um, the Crimes of the Black Cat and Beyond Terror, which I think, I mean, maybe we've even mentioned them on here before. I'm, I think these are just like the standard edition versions because I know these have been out before. Um, I'm pretty sure Crimes of the Black Cat is a giallo. And Beyond Terror sounds, from what I remember, it's like a part supernatural, part biker movie very aren't there like werewolves involved yeah, like biker werewolves sounds kind of yeah. like just like every throw in the whole kitchen sink kind of thing um and i don't i don't own any cauldron uh films releases so i'm kind of curious to pick these up uh i don't know we'll see actually there's weirdly uh, the uh, cauldron films uh i don't know when they come out but they're putting out these uh really low budget found footage movies and uh, everybody's like, oh, man, Cauldron Films, this is terrible. These releases look like trash. What are you doing? And I'm kind of like, I'm actually more interested in those low-budget found footage. Like, that actually is kind of seems right up my alley in a way. So those might be the first ones that I buy. But I, I have heard these releases are pretty good. Okay. Well, be sure to let me know uh, whenever you do pick up a Cauldron release because uh, I don't own any of their stuff. I'd be very curious to know what you think of them. Mm-hmm. Um. But I'm just going to point this one out really quick. I don't know a damn thing about it, but it's from 2021, and I think it's important to point out contemporary releases. Uh, this is called Dark Spell, and it is extraordinarily Eastern European, based on the names of all the people involved in the production. Uh, and it's a Shout Factory disc, uh, which is a little bit surprising. But yeah, apparently it came out this year, so it's brand fucking new. Um we have uh, Silat Warriors, Deed of Death from 2019. This is a Haya original. Uh, so this <laughs> is tied in with the uh, Haya uh, streaming service, which, of course, deals in uh, martial arts films. Uh, this is an Indonesian film. Uh, I would love to pretend that I know all sorts of things about this. Normally, that's the case with martial arts films in me. I don't know a damn thing about this, uh, but... It, it's an Indonesian martial arts movie, and uh, they're proudly advertising it uh, for their their streaming service, so I would imagine it's not half bad. Uh, normally, you don't hit your, hit your wagon to a, a busted-ass star. Um, but bopping on down, <laughs> just want to stop for a second and point out the cover art for the Ringmaster, Brad. Um, <laughs> th- that makeup, um, what year did Joker come out? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. That's definitely. I'm getting that vibe. Yeah, I. I <laughs> it's a little say, close. <laughs> I'm I'm more intrigued by the uh, the pull quote there. Hostile meets the purge. I don't even know what to make of that. Like those things don't go together. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, so, because the the purge is people trying to get in and hostile is people that are stuck. What? And also, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the plot synopsis on uh, Blu-ray.com seemingly has nothing to do with the, uh, the photo, the Joker photo. It says, during the night of the biggest sports final of the year, two girls working in a gas station experience strange incidents. Is it just staged pranks or is it something of a more aggressive intent? So not even any mention of a, a circus or a ringmaster or anything. I, this is bizarre. Well, you know, cover art does a lot to move products sometimes. So maybe this clown figure isn't even part of the film. <laughs> maybe they just needed a way to sell it. Uh, but it is worth mentioning. This is from Jenga Films. Uh, they only have a handful of discs in their catalog. And one of them, one other uh, film of theirs is also debuting this week. Uh 10 minutes to midnight also from 2020 um but yeah they both look terrible um and one thing that tends to be the case on uh these catching up on blu-ray episodes folks at home uh is that uh we don't tend to go into a whole lot of detail about anime releases uh largely just because there's so goddamn many of them from month to month and week to week uh and i've been out of the game for a decade or so so i really don't know what's worth mentioning and what's not but uh, there are a couple of releases this week that I, I will point out, um, neither of which I've seen. Uh, but uh, Knights of Cydonia, uh, 2014 to 2015, apparently it's the complete collection. I just want to point out that it's a, a sci-fi series that is uh, directed by the same fellow who was at the helm for the three uh, animated Godzilla films on Netflix. Uh, I actually heard those are kind of shit. Um, but I guess this director has a penchant for like tackling like really really heady sci-fi. So if you're into that sort of stuff, like like more an interstellar kind of vibe, um, then might be up your alley. Uh, and also, there's a re-release of the Vision of Escaflone, uh, the complete series from 1996. That was a show that a lot of my friends back in like middle school were really into. Uh, I've always wanted to go back and check it out. Actually, it was like one of the rare fantasy series like i don't generally do fantasy it's not really my thing but it actually has some cool design elements to it and some of the music pretty fucking cool uh but the rest of the month appears to be largely re-releases um i I will mention just real quick not that i have much to say but uh you got two uh releases from srs cinema daddy and uh transgression with uh, just the classic SRS cinema cover art, uh, like you can you can just it's like Lionsgate. You can just pick SRS out from a police lineup like real easy. Um, so if you're into really schlocky, low budget cinema, then uh, you might want to check some of these out. Yeah, actually, their their uh, design philosophy seems to fall in line with like I don't know comic books from from back in the day or something where it's like okay let's hire a really fucking talented person to do the cover art and then spend fuck all on the interior art (laughs) because yeah their their cover art always jumps out at you like i i knew i had a feeling it was them just based on the art here Mm -hmm. and and sure enough it was right it's just like you said very Lionsgate like where it's like (laughs) my gut's telling me i think i know what that is um, but yeah, it seems like the the general like caliber of film that they put out is pretty low grade. I still gotta buy one of their releases. I I don't know which one it's gonna be, but I gotta pop on one of these. Maybe it'll be Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that title just 
<laughs> just to be able to point at something on your shelf called daddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. Like, if I was to pick one, I'm I'm just glancing at a, a select few of their films. Uh, they have a couple of daikaiju films, like Japanese like rubber suit monster movies, mm-hmm. uh, Reigo and Raiga. Uh, either one of those, of course, would be right up my alley. Um, but I always thought the cover art for a City of Vampires was really fucking cool. Oh, that is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think I. I was either talking with you or Kyle when we when we passed by that on the calendar, and I was like, "Ooh, I kind of want that, but I know it's really fucking bad." <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is, of course, why I don't have it. But uh, I think that's about it for that first week of July. So let's bop on down uh, to July thirteenth, and right out the gate, uh, we have another Criterion release. Uh, this time of Deep Cover, nineteen ninety two. Uh, this is is holy shit! Is this directed? It is directed by Bill fucking Duke. Yeah, I might I might buy this shit because uh, I love Bill Duke and I saw us like a selection of screenshots from this disc uh, on Twitter the other day, and holy shit, it's gorgeous! Mm-hmm. And it's got Lawrence Fishburne and Jeff Goldblum. It's got a lot going for it, and it's directed by Bill Duke. <laughs> I'll I'll admit maybe this is embarrassing. I don't know. Until this release came out, I had no idea that Bill Duke was also a director. I uh, I, I didn't know. I just uh, I, I love the guy, um, but uh, yeah, this is, this looks like a pretty great release. Um, I don't know too much about the movie, but I don't either. No, I don't know a damn thing about this movie. But just based on the the handful of shots I saw and the cast and the director, it's like yeah. And also, it's a Criterion, probably worth my time. So it's like if you're gonna place a bet. Uh, may as well go with the sure bet and that's usually criterion um but yeah that's definitely one i would consider picking up uh we also have a uh, steel book of almost famous on appears to be a 4k disc mm-hmm. uh is this debuting on 4k it appears to be the case yeah i think so yeah um yeah i don't know i'm not a huge fan of this one this film i don't know for some reason, it just seems like there's been so many releases and different versions. Like you got that bootleg version or whatever. I'm just, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm, I'm, I'm done with Almost Famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember it getting a lot of buzz when it came out. Uh, I've, it's a name that comes up every once in a while. I don't have any conception of it in my head as to what it is or what its significance might be. Um, but again, it is one of those movies that comes up in conversation every so often. So I feel like it, it certainly has value. Um, and you can tell that by how many times it's been re-released. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know a whole lot about it. So I, this is one of those movies that I'm frankly kind of surprised I haven't accidentally seen by now. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman's great in it. I mean, it's, it's kind of, I, I own it on Blu-ray and, uh, at one point, I was like Leah Thompson. I was going to try and own all of Philip Seymour Hoffman's films, and uh, so I did purchase this and watch it. And I was like, nah, I mean, I love Philip Seymour Hoffman in it, but uh, the rest of it didn't really do much for me. Eh. Well, I mean, a little bit of Hoffman goes a long way, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, always. Uh, beside that, we have a Shout Select release of The Pianist, which I'm sure has been out on Blu-ray before. At least I would expect that. To I'm be pretty the case. sure. Yeah. 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 Um, and we also have a, a pair of Guy Ritchie releases this, this week. Um, so Synergy, uh, we have Snatch on 4K, uh, which is debuting on the format. Uh, there's also a steelbook of it with some, I really don't like that cover art, Brad. Yeah, not going to lie. 
Gross. I kind of don't like that. Uh, it's not great. Um, and also his his newest, which is of course Wrath of Man, which I believe you reviewed for the Cinema Speak podcast, correct? Yeah, I, re- I really liked Wrath of Man. I'm honestly kind of pissed that it's not getting 4K <laughs> release. Like you can watch, you can buy it in 4K on iTunes, but no physical 4K. Kind of kind of insulting. I mean, just thinking about it, like I feel like if they put out Wrath of Man 4K and Snatch 4K on the same day, I feel like they would sell more Wrath of Man 4Ks because it's a new movie. Like, I, it just seems bizarre. Like, why would you put out Snatch on 4K and not Wrath of Man? I don't know. Yeah, it's stuff like this that makes me furrow my brow and start to try it, like, and fail at a, at trying to wrap my head around like the logistics of and the budgeting of of disc printing and distribution because this is a very questionable decision because this movie is well regarded yeah like like i i saw this at like at or near the top of a lot of critics i really like like favorites of the year mm-hmm. uh and we're we're heading into august uh so you know, there's not a whole lot of year left um yeah i've heard a lot of really good things about this such that i might actually blind buy this unfortunately on blu-ray instead of 4k because yeah. that's all there that's all there is <laughs> i think i saw i was looking it up somebody i could be misremembering i think there's like some 4k release in like germany or something like that so i mean i'm kind of like maybe they'll do a like a release it down the road on 4k i'm kind of kind of holding out but who knows oh uh, i i don't know I, I don't know who makes these decisions and and the hows and whys of it but apparently warner brothers has the the means to put out 4k discs as they're putting out plenty of them this month but for whatever reason one of their newest and best films they didn't do that with so but highly recommended it it, it rocks it's a great movie i actually very well made just blind by this Mm -hmm. movie yeah um, because i've heard nothing but good about it i generally like jason statham Uh, guy Ritchie actually isn't a huge selling point for me but a lot of the critics that i mentioned that that sung the praises of this film their word means quite a bit to me and it's like if they're saying it's that fucking good then it must be at least okay mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. also you you champion it as well so yeah i i wouldn't feel too bad about just like opening my wallet and buying it yeah it was a real nice surprise it was a real good surprise well speaking of things that were not good surprises uh we also have mortal Kombat <laughs> from 2021 on 4k and in steelbook and on Blu-ray, so they felt confident enough in shelling out for the 4K treatment for for Mortal Kombat, which is a really not good movie. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, you must be sick of this movie by now, didn't you? Review this like 18 times or something? Uh, yeah, about 18, maybe 19. Um, <laughs> yeah, folks at home, if you're not aware, I reviewed this show uh, for the for catching up on cinema and for for the Cinema Speak podcast. Um, and I was actually in talks to review it with the Grief Burrito Boys as well. Um, so, so I have seen this movie way more times than any human <laughs> being should. Uh, it's really not good. Like it, it has not a whole lot going for it aside from a couple of cool cast members. But what what's done with them is utterly disappointing. It's it's a really not good action martial arts film that is not very good at living up to the source material they're fairly loyal to like the the story and like the canon and whatnot but in terms of like giving you the goods like giving you what you want aside from some like legit kind of awesome gore 
um the action component in the movie is severely neutered like they really didn't have a fucking clue of how to edit and shoot this shit um it's really really a shame because i actually was hoping they'd do something good with it and it does have good people involved in it but it is it is not the sum of its parts but uh, and that's all that's about all i have to say about that after you know six hours of fucking reviews for that yeah movie. yeah <laughs> Bummer. uh yeah <laughs> yeah makes me think of uh jim carrey and batman forever Bummer. <laughs> um we have a collector's edition of house of wax from shout factory from 2005 is this the paris hilton one yeah it is which uh i've never seen all the way through i've actually uh, seen a lot of people lately kind of defending this one. Um, I think it was kind of written off when it first came out, but a lot of people going nowadays, no, it's actually a pretty solid slasher. And uh, yeah, this one might be a pickup for me because like I said, I've never seen it all the way through and uh, definitely one that I should watch. So uh, yeah. Yeah. And you know, Shout Factory slash Scream Factory, they'll, they'll definitely give it solid treatment so it'll be a worthwhile disc to bring into your home even if the movie's not amazing and i i don't think anybody buying the 2005 version of house of wax has the highest of standards set for it so yeah i i i I think you should check it out brad and uh it does feature a not not too overly long but a short uh new interview with paris hilton so if that's a selling point for you she is on the on the special features <laughs> well, actually, like I haven't been paying attention to this stuff, but I, I think I heard rumblings or something that she's kind of having a resurgence of sorts. Like she's rebranding herself successfully. She's got a cooking show coming out on Netflix. I heard about or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it. I've noticed that that's kind of a thing lately. Like reassessment of of like previously discarded toys, where it's like that person that everybody kind of had a laugh about being a, a waste of flesh it's like actually you know they weren't half bad mm-hmm. <laughs> so i guess good for her um but uh yeah i haven't seen that one i think my i think it's a remake and i think my dad liked it okay like, uh like the original house of wax or it wasn't house of usher i think it was it was either that or some sort of museum film but he i remember him telling me about this scene where like somebody like put like puts up a pair of like binoculars or something to their face and like a couple of needles jab him in the eyes Ooh, okay yeah. something from his childhood that of course he never forgot yeah but, um <laughs> anyway let's move on down it looks like saving silverman from 2001 i think is debuting on blu-ray so if you're really into that movie uh, now is the time uh we have a uh, criterion release of working girls from 1986 um I think it's funny that our director's name is Lizzie Borden. Uh, yeah, isn't that isn't that the gal that uh, took an axe to her folks or whatever? I believe it is. Yeah, yeah, different uh, different person, I believe. Uh, but but just kind of fun. Yeah. But I uh, I don't know this film. But again, Criterion probably worth your time. Um, and I'm at a loss here, Brad. Uh, ball is to you, sir. What what jumps out of you? I mean, uh, I I think it's the first time it's out. Uh, SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run. This was like supposed to be a theatrical SpongeBob movie, and it got dumped on Paramount Plus. And I've heard literally nobody talk about it, which is a bummer because I actually do like SpongeBob. Um, and uh, I think that's the first time it's out this week. I could be wrong, but. Who knows? Who cares? Who's going to watch that crap? <laughs> I'm not going to watch it, but, you know, SpongeBob, 
I would I would like to pretend that it was after my time, but it, I I watched SpongeBob when he was new. Oh yeah, and I enjoyed him. Yeah, like I I kept up with Nickelodeon a little bit longer than than most probably would have expected. Like I I, I got some cat dog in there. Oh yeah, I got I got yeah I, I got some cat dog. Heck yeah, dude. <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and Angry Beavers was awesome. Yeah, that was those were my guys. Actually, actually, Cat Dog and Angry Beavers were that was those were kind of my guys for a good solid minute there. But SpongeBob was always kind of a close second to them. But my God, the longevity on that fucking sponge, like he just will not die. Yeah, <laughs> now it's, it's kind of remarkable. It's coming back because the kids that grew up on him, they're having kids and they're they they're in. They've made it. They've they've just got to keep that cycle going. Yeah, the immortal sponge. Um, what's his face? Is it Brian Kenny that does the voice? Uh, I think it, is it Tom Kenny? I want to say or it, either way, it's Kenny. Yeah, so, which is very fitting. Yeah. His voice is very much a Kenny voice. <laughs> but like, man, he must be rolling in cash. Oh yeah. Um, we have something called the Monster Collection from uh 2015 to 2019. Uh, uh wow, this is a strange little box. Uh. So Frankenstein Complex, Phil Tippett, Mad Dreams and Monsters, 12 hours of bonus features. This is from Music Box Films. Right off the bat, they have my attention with a Phil Tippett, what appears to be a documentary. What the fuck is this? Uh, you know, I actually have no idea. I'm trying to figure it out myself right now. I think it's a collection of two documentaries. Okay. Uh, the Frankenstein Complex and uh, Phil Tippett. Uh I love Phil Tippett. I mean, I mean, I mentioned him during uh, the the Howard the Duck uh, talk. There, uh, he's he kind of picked up uh, Ray Harryhausen's torch um, and then modernized the the, the craft. Um, he he specialized in integrating like uh, stop motion into live action and whatnot. Because uh, of course we have was it uh, Selleck, uh, the monkey bone guy. Uh, he he oh. would of course go on to kind of own the the stop motion space and, mm-hmm. and all those people at Leica and stuff. Um, but in terms of like integrating the two, like live action and, and stop motion, Phil Tippett kind of carried the torch for quite a while and he really did some amazing stuff. But this looks fucking cool. <laughs> like, this looks right up my alley. <laughs> and it's from Music Box Films, who I, I have never heard of. Yeah, I feel like I saw when this was coming out, but I kind of just like scanned over it i just assumed it was like a uh you know collection of just like re-released monster movies i had no idea it was a couple documentaries well that's what it looks like because i see a gremlin in there i see the the werewolf from an american werewolf in london in there uh folks at home basically the cover art is like a a cabinet filled with monster props and i want to say this is just a pair of documentaries probably about makeup effects and creature creation in cinema i yeah. wow i i am gonna leave this window open and maybe check this out because this is exactly the kind of stuff i like calling it the monster collection maybe not the best name i'm not that's that that's it's, what, it's pretty shit that's Brad. what <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's pretty terrible yeah. <laughs> it's totally nondescript it i Folks, we Brad and I have been talking about this for like three minutes now. We still have no idea what it actually <laughs> is. <laughs> so from a marketing standpoint, you done fucked up. But, you know, maybe you'll get my money. Maybe you won't. But uh, let's move on. We have several 1940s releases. Uh, appear to be 
from a mix of publishers. At least one of them is Warner Brothers. That would be Objective Burma, 1945. Alias Nick Beale, 1949. Larceny, from 1948. Uh, we also have a probably a re-release of The Warriors. Uh, certainly a re-release of The Warriors on Blu-ray. Always a good time. Uh, and then uh, we have a block of movies here that may as well tackle all at once. These would be uh, the Disney movie club exclusive releases yeah uh, so it seems like more and more we're going to have to be talking about these brad whether we want to or not <laughs> um but let's just list them off here because uh some of these mean something to me and some of them don't uh so we have man of the house uh we have tom and huck uh both of these are jtt films jonathan taylor thomas films uh the big green and a kid in king arthur's court now, Brad, do any of these movies mean much of anything to you? Literally nothing. Um, <laughs> the only thing they mean to me is that two of them are Jonathan Taylor Thomas movies. And uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas recently went viral. He was photographed for the first time in like five or six years. Um, he was out walking his dogs and uh, vaping. And uh, I highly recommend... <laughs> checking out the photos of uh him out walking his dogs and uh vaping uh it is just like such a mood it is like the perfect like he just looks like he's just so done with just like uh, probably because somebody's trying to take his picture and he's just like god damn but it's just like the funniest picture him just with his like vape in his mouth and just like he's got like a beard and it's amazing (laughs) so maybe that was viral marketing (laughs) for these releases who knows i mean very coincidence right (laughs) <laughs> uh maybe i wouldn't be surprised i mean those those folks at the disney corporation they know a thing or two about marketing and synergy so yeah the timing could be could be right for uh dishing out those jonathan taylor thomas products from the 90s but man that kid was a thing uh holy shit uh, i never i never gave two shits uh he just i we never watched home improvement in the house um Actually, like, I, I brought this up at a family dinner recently. It's like, you know, I, I get the sense that, like, wholesomeness just wasn't welcome in our home <laughs> growing up. Because, like, all of those, like, like TGIF films, like, all like any fucking sitcom with a moral at the end or whatever, we didn't watch any of that shit. Yeah. Like, like we didn't get any of that shit. Like, like Full House? Nope. <laughs> I can't be watching that. It's like Family Matters? Nope. Fuck that. Home Improvement? Nope. It's like, no, we watch The Simpsons and occasionally Roseanne and Married with Children. <laughs> hey, that's probably for the best, though. I mean, just it doesn't give you any false uh, assumptions about the real world. Yeah, maybe that's the case. Uh, but I always thought it was funny because I've noticed like there's a lot of people like on YouTube and stuff that put out a lot of nostalgia pieces about these these blocks of like sitcoms and stuff, these family shows that's like wow i didn't get any of that (laughs) like that shit didn't mean anything to me um but yeah uh on like on closer inspection i don't think any of these movies mean anything to me either brad uh the big green i remember that when that came out because it had the ginger kid from uh the sandlot and uh a kid in king arthur's court i remember um I think that was the kid that ended up in uh, American Pie. Okay. Um, and that's really all I know about that. Um, I just uh, 
just sent you in the chat. I just sent you the uh, picture of him. You can check it out later, but uh, just it's, it's a it's a good picture. Good it could be a good profile picture for anybody looking for a new one out there. Oh no! <laughs> I think oh. it, it's the glasses. The glasses are what make it. It's the. <laughs> Oh no! What the? How did they even know that was him? <laughs> I mean, he—he's been going undercover, man. He's—he's he's been going undercover. He looks like Bob the Goon from Batman '89. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he could give Edward Furlong a run for his money in terms of like having the life bust back over you I, twice. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Jesus fuck, Brad. <laughs> Is he okay? I, I I hope so. I mean, you know. I mean, I honestly can't tell, but thank you for sharing. Bro. I didn't realize that he's been, like, retired, I guess. I mean, he like I said, he was a thing. He made a lot of money. He probably doesn't have to do anything anymore, but, you know. <laughs> maybe maybe get some work done or something man like, like give give a shit like, just one <laughs> he was the heartthrob of the day and now now he just looks like uh just some guy <laughs> like... hey i mean there's nothing wrong with that I guess. as long as as long as he's happy maybe they just caught i mean he's taking his dogs out maybe they just like had diarrhea all over the lawn yeah and he's yeah. just like son of a he just looks done. Like he just looks like so done with everything. That's just the, the yeah. main thing. Yeah, but again, you don't know what kind of day that guy had. Yeah. So maybe maybe it was just the wrong moment. But I'm glad we have that photo. Um, well, let's let's move on. So yeah, none of those Disney Movie Club exclusives uh, mean anything to me. Um, the only reason we singled them out is uh, in case you weren't aware, dear listeners. Uh, these films are apparently only available through like a subscription service through the Disney Corporation. So if you are an intense level fucking collector, uh, you got to sign up so you can get these shitty 90s Disney movies. <laughs> it's the only way because <laughs> no one else is going to buy them. So they have to like print as few of them as possible yep. <laughs> to get all their money back. Um, we have the complete second season of Pennyworth, which I have to assume is an Alfred from Batman television series. I believe uh, so. I'm guessing it's an expansion of like the Gotham show. I haven't watched any of those like Arrowverse things, but my God, much like SpongeBob, the longevity on that. Like I never in a million years would have expected a Green Arrow, a Green Arrow show, a Green fucking Arrow show to turn into a mega fucking franchise that spans at least a dozen different television series what the fuck man <laughs> yeah they've got their following they really do and i feel i feel very happy for all those people who care about that i just think it's amazing that that's the media landscape we live in is that everything's cut up into these minute little tribes that like there's all these scattered people that that are really 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 all about all these things and i don't know a fucking thing about <laughs> most of them yeah and, but as long as everybody's happy and has their things, cool, whatever. Uh, but uh, we have something that it's a Kino release, and I just have to say the title because it's amazing. It's from 1929. It is The Great Gabbo. Uh, makes me think of that episode of The Simpsons with the puppet. Gabbo, Gabbo, Gabbo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Great Gabbo. That's amazing title. Uh, we have uh, The Two Worlds of Jenny Logan which is from 1979, but uh, they totally redid the cover art. 
uh, because that is a very recent and not so good Photoshop job. Yikes. Yeah, uh, it's not great. It's really not great, in fact. Um, we also have a SpongeBob 3 movie collection, so that would include uh, the aforementioned new release. Uh, and we have, what is this Ernest and Celestine? This is a Shout Factory disc, and it's mm. apparently an Academy Award nominee. Yeah. Uh, I remember when it was nominated for the Oscar, um, but that's about it. It appears to be, if I had to guess, French uh, animated film uh, with some anthropomorphic animal folks. Uh, very charming character designs. I can't vouch for the animation quality, obviously, because I'm only looking at stills, but I, I like the design work, and it was up for Oscars, so must have done something right. Um, either that or it was a really thin fucking year, and it's French, which generally helps. Um, we have something called The Night from 2020, um, and it has a, certi- a giant certified fresh uh, tomato stamp on it, so they're trying to sell this movie based on its uh, critical acclaim. I'm just going to read the description because uh, I think this is an Arab film. Uh, mm. The couple be- be- A couple become trapped inside a hotel with their demons, real and imagined, until they can confront the secrets of their marriage. And it's from the executive producer of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Once again, we don't have any names to promote this thing, so we're just going to throw whatever we got on the cover. <laughs> and also, I mean, it doesn't even say, like, I'm assuming it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Um, but, I mean, it's never never really clear. It's not clarified, so you, you never fucking know. That doesn't tell you who it is. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, certified fresh hopefully hopefully somebody checks that out i probably won't um and uh the rest of it appears to be re-releases brad but were there any for the rest of the week that you wanted to mention well i mean i think i could be wrong but i think uh tremors two three and four i think it's the first time they've been released individually on blu-ray i is or am i wrong on that i think you're right yeah uh i i took that for granted because a box a box set of tremors is something you see every other month yeah but i you i think you are right that this is the first time all three of these films are coming out in individual form which is useful for people like me who really would only care to revisit the second one because uh, <laughs> i do actually like the second one just fine mm-hmm. uh, it's a fine sequel uh three and four not not as good three especially four i thought was just fine uh it has the advantage of being a period piece and also you know you get to see michael gross uh stretch his acting wings just a little bit and play a totally different character for a change as opposed to you know his default bert um who we all know and love uh but yeah man tremors i still haven't i still haven't seen those tremors in the snow man i haven't seen the graboids in the snow yet (laughs) you guys got to do like a tremors month or two months and cover every Travers movie. See, I don't think I could get Kyle to do that. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I would love to do that just because I, I have very low standards and I don't mind devoting an evening to to rewatching shitty Tremors sequels. But you know, it's a two man show. Yeah, it's a two man yeah. street. It's a two way street. So you know, because you gotta, you guys, you could do one and two get their own episode. Like one gets its own episode. Two gets its own episode lump three and four together and then however any sequels after four they get all lumped together so you just kind of like as the series goes on everything it's just like yeah we've already talked about generally like you can only talk about these movies so much so what you're talking about is a master class brad yeah for anybody that cares the very first master class we ever did was predator 
Uh, we also did Alien, uh, and then we also did Batman. Are you saying Tremors is in the same class as those franchises? <laughs> I, yeah, for me, for me, I'd say yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I value Tremors just about as much as I do the rest of those franchises. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, uh, actually, Masterclass uh, month is coming up and probably in September, I think. And uh, I think this, I think the plan this time out is to do like a masterclass revisited and do some housekeeping. Okay. Uh, which means you are on deck uh, to review Prometheus with us. Hyped. Uh, because, Hyped. Because yeah, uh, it's it's been disclosed numerous times by now. Uh, I am not the biggest fan of Prometheus, but both Brad and Kyle have some more positive assessments of it. So I think it would be a lot of fun to talk about it with three people with different perspectives in the room. Yeah. Definitely. But yeah, we'll we'll get to that uh, when we get to it, though. So uh, let's uh, bop on down to the next month of July. Uh, that would be July 20th. And uh, right out the gate, we have a disc that I have already purchased and seen. Oh, hell yeah, brother. Uh, <laughs> you got it, too? Yeah. Hell yeah, the Wraith. Yeah. My man. Uh, so, so, Brad, do you want to tell the folks at home why it is you purchased this film immediately? <laughs> uh, well, it's not because of the movie, because I don't know too much about the movie, to be honest. Uh, something with a car, I don't know. But it's because it is uh, part of the Vestron Video Collectors Series, and I own every single one with slipcovers. So, of course, I had to purchase this one and make sure I, uh, you know, get my I can't miss one. So I had to buy the Wraith. And, uh, I mean, the price, this thing was like 12 bucks or something, 11 12 bucks. You can't beat that price. Like, I'm so glad they changed these because they used to be the first few were like $25, $30. And, like, the last few releases, they've, you know, redone the price. And now it's like, oh, there's no question you would purchase these. Yeah, so these uh, these Vestron releases are numbered releases. Yeah, that's uh, as, yep, exactly, yeah. Which is why Brad is a... Uh, in the position he's in where it's like well it's got a number on it and i'm i'm not gonna skip 21 or whatever the fuck (laughs) it's just not gonna happen that's not how we do things in this household we're living in a society the last time (laughs) i checked (laughs) it makes me so glad that i wasn't collecting blu-rays uh at the time when criterion started putting out blu-rays because we would have had an issue it would have (laughs) been We would have been in deep trouble there. So, but Vestron had started up, and I said, "Hey, they're putting these numbered spines out, and you know, they're all, initially they're putting out like maybe three, four a year. Now you're lucky to get like one or two a year. But it's like, yeah, these are easy to keep up on and collect every single one. Why not? Yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think it's a fun little project for you. Plus, seems like a lot of the movies are not half bad. Mm-hmm. Like I think Waxworks was one of them. Yeah, and that that movie's not terrible. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, has some nifty effects work uh it i like that they kind of just threw the plot out the window in the finale and was just like fuck it just let go nuts yeah do stuff (laughs) um, but um what happened to vestron because there was a lull in their releasing did they like go under and then get picked up by lionsgate or something like since they've been putting stuff out on blu-ray or like before like the original vestron uh, since they've been putting out on Blu-ray. No, it's just, I don't know. Like, you go on the Vestron forum and on Blu-ray.com in the forums, and people, w- were, like, would make jokes, like, for, like, because long stretches of time there'd be no releases, and they'd be like, oh, the line is dead, the line is dead. And then people would be like, oh, I messaged uh, some Lionsgate insider, and he said, oh, well, they're really busy with their Oscar campaign this year, and then they're going to get on to 
and then you'd get like, oh, this guy who produces special features, he already did this. He says he's already got two releases done, so there's going to be at least two more. And people just like speculating. I don't know. I think it's just a very poorly run, poorly managed, just because it's like Lionsgate is a big company and they've got so many other priorities that like this is just nothing to them. So it just gets really brushed under the rug until they were like, oh, I guess, yeah, we do that, have that the wraith we were going to put that on blu-ray yeah throw that out yeah whatever oh yeah and if your your theory about like manufacturing in regards to arrows like disc errors and stuff holds any water mm. then you know covid most certainly probably hurt their operation as yeah. well um and yeah Lionsgate is a huge publisher they put out so many fucking discs every month so um yeah i was just curious because uh the vestron line did have a pretty significant lull such that me somebody who doesn't collect these discs uh was like is it done like, oh, <laughs> it's, like it's, it's like, been a minute i bought all these and they only put out 19 of them like yeah, i think yeah, it was the 19 like they couldn't even get the fucking 20 come on <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah this this film uh that's coming out on july 20th uh the wraith from 1986 uh starring uh nick cassavetes and charlie sheen and uh one of the gals from twin peaks uh was it audrey i think so um she has a tan in this and it was like she looks way different (laughs) but um i bought this i watched it um i actually know this movie by its soundtrack uh i have listened to this film soundtrack dozens of times yeah uh, without having seen the film uh so when when it came out on blu-ray i was like yeah sure i'll check it out and it's not very good (laughs) (laughs) it has some really good car stunts and uh clint howard is amazing in it as as he typically is uh, it's really repetitive, though, and not especially thrilling. But my God, the soundtrack. It's fantastic. Uh, you got Ozzy Osbourne on there. And uh, one of my personal favorites because of me being raised on Transformers, the movie, uh, there's a band called Lion. Uh, it's like a hair metal band. And they have a song called Never Surrender that is like the best song ever made. <laughs> and really? uh it it is well utilized in the film and this was my first time seeing it put to put to imagery okay and and that i popped for that for sure um but yeah uh i i i showed up for the tunes i i couldn't care less about the movie and yeah it's it's an underwhelming film for sure like i said some pretty cool car stunts but uh maybe just look up the soundtrack on youtube or something and give it a listen because uh, if you're into that that mid 80s kind of like head banging sound you won't be disappointed well i'm not so i probably will be disappointed but uh <laughs> oh well <laughs> well i guess you fucked up <laughs> we're talking hair metal here there's no new wave no new wave uh no it doesn't have a it doesn't have that night rider kind of sound going for it all right it's it's more you know electric guitars and drum kits uh but we got, uh, beside that, a Blue Underground 4K release of Dead and Buried, which I believe I know this movie only by um, it being featured in the In Search of Darkness Part 2 mm. uh, horror documentary, the 80s horror documentary Blu-ray. Uh, I paid into the Kickstarter for both of those, and uh, both of those documentaries are quite solid. Uh, I think they found their way to Shudder or something eventually, uh, so if you have four hours of time, maybe check them out, but... Uh, they made this one look pretty cool. Uh, there's some eye trauma in this one. Uh, always, a, always a big hit with the kids, uh, so maybe worth your time. And it is a 4K disc, and it seems like Blue Underground, regardless of the quality of the film they're working with, tend to do a good job. <clears throat> uh, 
we also have a couple of uh, 4K releases of the uh, mo- kind of the most recent G.I. Joe films, uh, Rise of Cobra and Retaliation from 2009 and t- 2013, respectively. Uh, this is, of course, marketing synergy for the Snake Eyes film, uh, the G.I. Joe Origins film, which came out very recently. Uh, have you seen either of these, Brad? Yeah, I've seen them both, but it's been a long time. I think I saw them both in theaters when they came out, and I don't remember much of anything from either of them. Um, I'd be curious to revisit them. I didn't like hate them or anything, but I don't. I kind of just don't have any memory of like literally. You could describe anything that happened in these movies, and I'd, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I remember that," and it didn't happen or something. Like I have no idea. <laughs> Yeah, they kind of have that in one ear and out the other kind of feel to them. Uh, the first one, it's a little bit unfortunate because it's a Stephen Summers film, and uh, Brendan Fraser's in there, and uh, Kevin J. O'Connor also has a role in it, I think. Um, and it's it's just like this this is not this is not what it, as good as it could be. And they they kind of tried to make it fun. They they tried to get gimmicky with some of the action scenes. It just it never really finds its footing pretty decent cast honestly um second one i did see in the theater with my brother mostly because he was raised on the gi joe and you know this was when the rock was becoming a an in earnest like action star mm-hmm. um and that one was a slight improvement i guess um but it's funny like the the thing that i think most people remember about these movies is uh lee byung hyun's uh, abs just <laughs> just like it's just like if you want the best abs in cinema look at that guy oh <laughs> yeah like, like both of these movies like i remember watching the uh the uh asian trailers uh so the trailers that played in in the asian territories so in korea and in japan and in china and they just isolated all the clips of him shirtless. <laughs> and I was like, that is marketing. <laughs> just a greased up, super handsome Korean man with abs swinging swords. It's going to look great in 4K. <laughs> really, that that's the most significant thing that happens in these movies. Is a handsome Korean man gets all greased up and has a sword fight with a Ray Park wearing a, a gaudy rubber ninja suit. You heard it here, folks. Um <laughs> Next up, we have a disc that I think last I heard, Brad, you were considering picking up. This is a uh, Shout Factory disc of Eight-Legged Freaks from 2002. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be picking this up because I do like this film. I, I've seen, I've only seen it a few times, but I remember watching it when I was younger and quite enjoying it. Um, but I will say I did watch the, uh, I don't think it was a new trailer. I think it was like the original theatrical trailer, Shout Factory, just put on Facebook or whatever. And uh, I got to say, uh, I forgot the CGI in this, and I was vomiting. It was horrendous. Um, so I'm going to have to get over that, which I'm sure when I watched it originally, the CGI was not quite as vomit-inducing. But um, I still think I still think it's a fun movie from what I remember. I think I can get past the awful effects. I enjoyed this movie. I only saw it once. Uh, probably on like a free HBO weekend or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in theater. Uh, I did see Snakes on a Plate in a theater though. Nice. Uh, <laughs> nice. But um, yeah, Eight Legged Freaks is a fun time. I want to say the CGI is it's not awful. It's just hit and miss. Where it's like they used CGI in places in 2002. That's the most important thing. In the year 2002 mm-hmm. when you really shouldn't have. Um, and they used it for everything because I don't remember any practical effects. Like I don't, I 
don't remember being able to actually see any spider like animatronics or anything i remember like if they existed much like jurassic world they were covered in a cgi skin uh obscuring the actual animatronic but I want to say like the stuff in the finale in the in the cave like in the mine or whatever probably looks a lot better than the dirt bike stuff. Yeah. Um day daytime with the sun bearing down on jumping spiders with shitty motion blur probably not going to look good in 2002. Um but yeah, I I kind of wish they'd make movie like theatrical movies like this yeah. more often. Because it, it it knows it's fucking stupid, but mm. the, the that's the point. It's like this this is literally just a remake of a hodgepodge of it. It's basically a, a love letter to a bygone genre, mm. like the atomic era of monster movies, where it just like radiation, giant animal goes on a rampage. It, like there there were tons of spider movies in the fifties, even like that very much measure up to the plot of this uh but yeah i remember the the general vibe of it being fun some of the action scenes were fun um and hey you get tom noonan for like 10 minutes oh i I forgot he was in it he's he's the catalyst for the story he's the guy who owns all the spiders yeah and and he's friendly tom noonan he's he's good he's like happy tom noonan which is (laughs) always (laughs) off-putting it's like i like you better when you're scary man (laughs) yeah yeah i'm excited to revisit this one i'll be i'll be picking this one up yeah, let me know if you check it out. I, I look forward to your, your micro-review. Yeah, of it. and th- there is a, a new making-of documentary on the disc as well. I think it's like 40 minutes. Like, it's pretty good. Uh, I saw that. I was like, okay, that's definitely going to purchase now. Okay, well, that could be a lot of fun. I, I don't know if I would buy it, but if it pops up on, like, a streaming service or something and I, I don't have anything going on, maybe I'll put it on the background, you know, look over whenever I hear things exploding. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh but let's bounce on down to the next row, and we have uh, a film which I believe you also reviewed uh, for the Cinema Speak podcast, Brad, and that would be Spiral: Colon from the Book of Saw, twenty twenty one, which uh, was not great. Um, I don't know. It was, uh, you know, I, I thought it had a few interesting moments, a few interesting traps, and tried to do something a little different from other Saw movies, even though it ended up kind of just becoming like just a typical Saw movie. Um, I don't know. If you're a fan of the franchise, it's definitely worth seeing, but it's not not going to have any new converts with this one. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not prepared to spend even a cent on a Saw movie at this point, mm-hmm. but I don't know what it was about those movies, but when they were coming out every year, uh, there was they 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 caught hold of something uh, because even me, who's not a horror fanatic, I, I did end up watching all like literally all of them. Yeah. Um, and I'll probably keep that trend going. So I'll probably get to this one at some point. Yeah. Uh, I, I even w- ended up watching jigsaw probably several years after it came out, but I did fucking watch it. I was, I was curious enough to watch it. Yeah. This one, it's far from the worst. This one is far from the worst. I can say that. Well, well, that's saying a lot when, when a franchise is that long in the tooth. So mm-hmm. uh, I guess I won't feel too bad about checking that one out. But uh, that comes out on 4K. I think there's also a Steelbook and a Blu-ray. Um, beside that, we have a Criterion release of La Piscine, uh, The Swimming Pool from 1969. Uh, not familiar with this one, but again, Criterion, probably worth your time. Um, we have <laughs> Little Big League from 1994. This is a Shout Factory release. Uh, this surprisingly 
is a 90s children's baseball film that I don't think I don't think I know this one. Mm. Like the the title feels like I should, but like of all the like children's baseball movies that were being that I was being bombarded with in the 90s, I don't think this was one of them. At least not one that resonated with me, but that's a shout select disc. Uh we have Flight to Mars which uh, is from 1951, and the reason I'm highlighting this is because it comes from disc publisher The Film Detective. Brad, do you know these folks? Uh, I don't think so, not by name at least. Uh, they seem to deal in like older films, seemingly from like the 50s and 40s or something. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know them uh, by reputation or otherwise, but maybe one to watch? Um, we have a disc that I have paid for, but uh, I'm not surprised at all that uh, the shipping for it is all sorts of fucked. Um, I probably won't be getting this for another several weeks. Uh, we have the Go-Go Boys, the inside story of Canon Films from 2014. This is, of course, the uh, Canon-financed documentary about Canon Films. <laughs> it's it it's so amazing. Like just on a conceptual level I find that absolutely hilarious. Going to be very objective, company. I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah. No, only the best of facts. Like <laughs> but um I I also own Electric Boogaloo, uh the Canon film story on DVD. I think that's the only way that film exists on physical media. Um, and the the ending of that documentary about the Canon Film Corporation uh, mentions that during the course of production of Electric Boogaloo, uh, Canon Films announced that they were producing their own competing documentary. So it's kind of like the, the what the Fire Festival situation. Oh yeah, <laughs> com- competing documentaries. But this one took its sweet fucking time getting to Blu-ray via MVD. And I just, I was so tickled just by the concept of it. It's like, I don't even care if it's good. I just want to see what these people want. The story that they want to tell about themselves. <laughs> it's probably just going to be them jerk. It's probably going to be two hours of one of them jerking off into a cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. With with that uh, Tiny Tim song that they used in SpongeBob Eesh. all the time. <laughs> Having a wonderful time. <laughs> um. Beside that, we have a uh, indie horror film, uh, Jacob's Wife from 2021, and uh, this stars Larry Fessenden. I think he's involved in the production as well. He, al- I think he also has a lot of directing credits, and uh, Barbara Crampton uh, is also starring in it. Yeah. Um, I, f- I follow both of these people on the Instagram, so I've seen a ton of promotion for this, and I've heard very good things about this one. It is certified fresh, Brad. He, uh, I did not know that was Larry Fessenden on the cover there. Uh, he's he's looking older, I guess, as, <laughs> as everybody eventually does, but did not recognize him there. Yeah, I I learned a little bit about him when we did our fucked up shit month here at mm. Catching Up on Cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, we reviewed a film called uh, Like Me uh, that he was like the co-star of, and I looked into his filmography, and he just seems like an interesting fella. A yeah really varied filmography he's he seems like he kind of leans more towards the indie side of of filmmaking but he's he's up for any sort of challenge and i've i've heard this is a fun horror it has some comedic elements to it but it's a it's a fun little horror movie uh maybe worth a look i think it was i, I could be wrong but i think it was shout factory uh put out like a collection of his films like the larry fessenden collection 
and I've been I've always been curious to pick it up because it's like I don't know if I've actually seen any of his films that he's directed but I, I know of them and I'd be curious to go watch some yeah I, I don't think I've seen any of his stuff either but as soon as he was on my radar he's kind of like permanently stayed there mm-hmm. uh, such that like I said I follow him on Instagram and occasionally he posts some cool stuff um but we have something called A Stranger is Watching from 1982. This is also a Shout Factory release. I want to say they've put out like half of the discs this week of July. Yeah. Um, we have our, I think this is our first uh, Severin film uh, for the month, uh, Siege from 1983. Um, I don't know this film. Uh, I, I want to like that cover, but I feel like there's a little bit too much negative space. Like it needs, it needs to be slightly busier. Like I normally I don't say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's I'm not but, I'm not too crazy about that artwork. Um, we also have another Severin disc in the form of Skinned Deep from 2004. Uh, what do you think of this cover? You know, I I gotta say at first I didn't like it, but the more I see it, the more I kind of dig it. Actually, like it it just it feels very low low like it just looks like it it makes it look like it's gonna be a really low budget movie. But I don't know. I kind of like that about it. It's growing on me. Yeah, I zoomed in on it, Brad, and my gut told me the same thing. Like, I wasn't a big fan of it because it made me think of uh, a lot of the horror movie covers I used to see on VHS, like at the grocery store and stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, those eye-catching covers. Um, But when I zoomed in on it, I realized it's painted. Oh, Um, okay. It's not a a makeup effect. It's not an actual life prop that they photographed. They actually painted this. Uh, probably digitally but if not either way looks good um and also i'll just point out it says limited edition 2000 units only with bonus soundtrack cd music by david davidson so nice they named him twice and captain sensible (laughs) okay all right (laughs) so if you want the soundtrack cd you gotta buy it from severin right fucking now and uh also apparently the film features warwick davis so there you go oh I like Warwick Davis. Yeah, he's yeah. a cool guy. He's he's good humored. Yeah, that's very important when you do a lot of the movies that Warwick Davis has done. <laughs> um, beside that, we have a Blu-ray release of Sniper, starring Tom Berenger and featuring Billy Z- Zanatos, uh, Billy Zane, uh, who I want to say he's probably the best eyebrow actor in cinema history. He's up there for sure. My God, the eyebrows on that man. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's an acting method entirely based around eyebrows, and it somehow works. <laughs> but uh, I remember this movie being on TV a lot when I was younger. It's fine. It's not amazing, but it has you know, a pair of decent actors. That I like Tom Berenger. I like Billy Zane. They're shooting people in it. That's fine. Uh, we have another Severin disc, Born for Hell from 1976. You think you'll... You think you're interested in this one, Brad? Uh, I don't know. I kind of looked. I just looked up the synopsis. It kind of, kind of. It sounds pretty, uh, pretty fucked up. It's uh, <laughs> the, the Blu-ray.com says it's loosely inspired by the Richard Speck murders, and it's about a guy who goes into a girl's dormitory or boarding house and proceeds to uh, tor- torture them and murder them. So it sounds like it's not not loosely. It sounds like it's very directly inspired by the. Uh, Richard Speck murders. So there you go. Okay. Uh, definitely not one for me, but you know, Severin's one of those publishers that they're, they're popping up on my radar more and more as time goes yeah. on. Um, we have something called the time guardian from 1987 kind of 
dig that cover art. It's pretty good. Uh, it feels like I feel like I've seen that on like the cover of a NES game, like a Nintendo game or something. But uh, I don't know anything about this, but the cover really jumps out at you. Uh, check it out, folks. It's it's a it's a doozy. Um, we have several older releases: The Plainsman, Unconquered, Step by Step, The Gilded Lily. Um, and then we have something called Initiation from Lionsgate from 2020. Um, only reason I bring it up is because it's from 2020, but I don't think I've heard of this movie. Have you? Yeah, I haven't either. Yeah. Uh, it appears to be a horror movie of sorts. Um, the cover is fairly nondescript. It looks like it could be a slasher or maybe a cult movie or something, but it is what it is. Uh, and beside that, though, we have a disc that, again, I have I have purchased. I have yet to watch it because I, I actually convinced my girlfriend to watch it with me, uh, which means it'll take approximately three years for us to watch. <laughs> um, it, bear in mind, it's only seven episodes long. Uh, this is a, uh, a television series uh, called Gangs of London. This is season one, which makes me believe there will be a season two, although I don't think that's been confirmed at this point. But the reason I blind purchased this, because as far as I know, this wasn't available to watch in the United States. This was a UK production. Um, it's because Gareth Evans uh, is the director of the series. Uh, that would be the, the fella that directed the Raid films, uh, one and two, as well as uh, he also had that horror film. I think it was about a church or a priest. I heard it was good. Um, I was trying to get Kyle to watch it for me because I think it's on Netflix and has been oh, there for yeah, quite yeah, some yeah, time. Yeah. I know which one you're talking about now. Yeah, I, I never checked that one out either. But yeah, he's because of the Raid films and because I've seen tons of interviews with the guy, he's on my like I'll watch anything he makes list. And uh, I'm super hyped now, especially because his, his latest project, I forget the title, it escapes me at the moment, but Tom Hardy is attached as the headlining star among many others. Um, it sounds, I think it's like Mayhem. Uh, that might be the title of it. Uh, I, I'm super hyped that he's he's starting to creep towards the mainstream now that you have a guy like Tom Hardy attached to what you're working on. Yeah. Um, but this disc is a step in the right direction. It's a, it's a good half step. Um, and uh, it's called Gangs of London. Uh, it has Joe Cole in it, uh, who was, of course, in Green Room, which we did a, a very mm. good episode on, of Catching Up on Cinema for um and also he was in a movie that i i almost brought to our uh, all the a's discussion on uh, tales from the shelf uh only problem is the first letter the first word of the title of that film is a ah or mm. uh yeah and I, I thought you might have a problem with that brad yeah, so i didn't that's... do it <laughs> I, I thought you might give me the get that shit out of here i mean <laughs> I, I wouldn't have done it i mean you can do whatever you want but i would have been cringing <laughs> Yeah, Brad's over here puking in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, he's in a movie called A Prayer for, uh, Before Dawn. Mm. Uh, it's about a British, like a young British hooligan that goes to, goes and lives in Thailand and gets addicted to drugs and selling drugs and ends up going to a Thai prison. It's a really dark, really intense movie, but he is really fucking good in it. Oh, nice. Uh, so nice. After having seen him in that, and then having seen him in Green Room, it's like Joe, Joe Cole's good in my book. Um, and like I said, I have yet to watch Gangs of London, but I've heard it's very good. Uh, I really am up on the director, so I have high hopes. I'll, yeah. I'll let you know three years from now how it turns out. I like the uh, the quote on the cover: "Game of Thrones, but without the dragons." 
that's not a good quote. It's, man. I mean, no, it's, it could be anything. That, that is not how you sell product. Like, you know, a lot of people like dragons, right? I mean, <laughs> this is not a, a fantasy show, uh, from what I understand, correct? No, so. it's not. <laughs> it's a crime drama. I assume a they're talking about crime like, drama. I'm assuming they're talking about like the political scheming. Maybe I don't. I don't know. I'm. I think they just wanted an excuse to put a bigger, more famous show's name on the cover. Yeah, I'm sure when... But that's not the way to do it. I'm sure when they made that quote, like the publication, I'm sure there was more context to it. <laughs> I hope somebody got fired for yeah, that. Yeah, very weird. That's, that's, that's really not good marketing. Yeah. It's like, that just makes me want to go watch Game of Thrones because it, because it, you're assuring me that that has dragons and is probably comparable to this in quality. That, that is true. That's a good point. <laughs> Like, so, so what you're telling me is there's no dragons. <laughs> oh, you lost me. Bye. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wallet's closed. But um, yeah, but I'm very excited to check this out. Like I said, though, it could be a while <laughs> before I watch yeah. this, unfortunately. Um, beside this, though, we have a contemporary release of Die in a Gunfight, and you better fucking believe this is a Lionsgate film. Um, my God, this is the quintessential Lionsgate film. <laughs> just looking at yeah. it um this came out in 2021 and uh yeah i think this is basically like a romeo and juliet retelling oh okay okay uh, that's what i got from the trailer i i got i got bombarded with trailers for this movie on the youtube a while back i don't know what that tells you about my, my youtube have, algorithm yeah, they've got your <laughs> algorithms down because i have not seen yeah they got me fucking figured out but uh yeah it didn't look very good i'm surprised but, um, it didn't use my uh Alexandria Daddario algorithms to show me trailers for this because I, you'd think I'd be getting bombarded with trailers for this too, but I guess not. You sound disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I just see that I'm like, oh, uh, Daddario's got a new movie. I might have checked this out. It's like, well, I I would have picked that up, but nobody told me about it. <laughs> it's a good thing we do this show. Way to go, Google. Jeez, give you all this data, you don't do shit with it. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Well, uh, bopping on down, it looks like we are re-releasing pretty much all the Saw films, minus Jigsaw. I'm not seeing that in here just yet. Uh, We also have, oh, another disc that I also own, but I have seen the movie, but I have yet to open up this disc. Uh, That would be another Haya original, uh, Hydra from 2019. And uh, this was a film that I had the privilege of uh, reviewing. I actually got like a review code for this movie. Really? Like I got I got a Vimeo link uh, to review this film. I think it was through uh, City on Fire or Film Combat Syndicate. I'm sorry, I can't remember which of those publications it was, but they're both awesome resources for martial arts movie news on the web. Um, but yeah, I just hit up the one fella on Twitter, and uh, he got me a review copy of this film, and uh, it's a it's a fun one. Uh, it's a very small film. In a lot of ways, I kind of theorized that it was almost like intended to serve as like a pilot for a television series because it feels like, wow, you're creating a universe kind of like a John Wick or something where it's like there's a lot left unsaid that it doesn't take a whole lot of effort to make a whole lot more of that. Um, But more than that, the movie is kind of like a, a, a showcase for contemporary Japanese martial arts and cinema where it's like it's a lot of. A lot of tooth and nail, bare like barehanded combat kind of stuff, and the style of choreography. It's it's almost like a 
it's almost like they came into it with a mission statement where it's like we're going to try something new and people will be wowed by the fact that yes it's it's fist fights it's martial arts sequences but the way we're going about it is just a little bit different than what most people are used to seeing hmm. and uh that's very rare uh it in any subgenre, that that's if you're really into a particular genre, that's what you live for is to see the the tiny variations that make the world of difference. And this movie certainly brings that. Uh, there's a couple of fight scenes in this movie that I can honestly say I haven't seen anything that looked like that before. Oh, cool. Um, and yeah, the star I can't remember the name of the director. I feel like a shit heel uh, saying that, but the star's name is uh, Masanori Mimoto. And uh, he's popped up in a few movies, like subsequent films, uh, since I saw this. And now he's like one of those people that I, I notice him. Where it's like, hey, Donnie Yen just kicked my boy. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I, I, I purchased it. Uh, I haven't watched it since I reviewed it, but I'm looking forward to coming back to it. Uh, we have another Blue Underground release, a 4K disc of... Uh, that's an alternate cover of Dead and Buried. Yeah, Fuck that, yeah I'm same with that. Man, there's like four different covers of that. Uh, <laughs> we have a uh, Held from 2020, which is from Magnolia Pictures. That's a really striking cover art. Uh, it, it's kind of nondescript, but something about something about the construction of that mask is interesting. It's a oh, it's a magnet disc. I have a few other discs. It almost, I mean, it's not, but that mask almost reminds me of Robert Patrick for some reason. It's the it's the tilted eyebrow. Yeah, yeah. It, it's his it's his for, his head tilted forward. It's like when he's standing in front of the the molten pit, uh, doing the the Dikembe Mutombo finger. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have the twentieth anniversary edition of Boondock Saints. Uh, we have something called Fire, just straight up fucking fire <laughs> um, from from twenty twenty. It's a Shout Factory disc. What more do you need? Uh, uh. It does have a Cyrillic alternate title, so again, Eastern European and or Russian uh, film. Do not know much more than that, but um, you got anything else for this week, Brad? No, I think that about covers it for that week. All right, well, I will point out that there is a double feature of Close Range and Savage Dog, both of which are Scott Adkins films. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, close. Both of them are pretty good. Uh, two different directors. Close Range is Isaac Florentine and Savage Dog is Jesse V. Johnson. Both of those guys are kind of the the two people who've treated Scott Adkins as their muses over the years. Uh, Florentine kind of got hold of him real early. He was kind of the guy who introduced him to everybody. And then uh, Jesse V. Johnson's kind of like the guy he's working with contemporarily more often. Uh, but yeah, let's bop on down to the last week of July. And this would be July 27th. And right out the gate, we have a collector's edition, a Shout Factory disc of The Dead Zone, which is a David Cronenberg film from the 80s that I have not seen. Oh, there really? There aren't a whole lot of those, but this is one that I haven't seen and I've heard is very good, mm-hmm. Brad. Yeah, I would say not like uh, his top tier, but uh, it's definitely still good, definitely worth seeing. Yeah, I mean, his his top tier is way the fuck up there, especially in the 80s. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a Stephen King adaptation. It's got Christopher Walken when he was like a handsome guy in Hollywood, <laughs> which which is, we are worlds away from yeah. at this point. But yes, there was a time when he was typecast as like the handsome dude. Um, 
I really want to see this movie just because I love Cronenberg and I also really like Stephen King adaptations. They're like a they're like a warm blanket. Like even when they're not good, it never feels like you wasted your time with them just because his for, his sto- his story format is so cozy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd really like to check this out someday. But uh, beside that, we have a 4K release of A Quiet Place Part 2. And I forget, Brad, did you see this or did one of your buddies see it? Um, I did see it, but we never did like a full review on it. Um, so we kind of, I we both talked about it in different episodes. Um, but I mean, I it's it's good. It's kind of just more of the same as the first. Um, the surpri- I, I think it's crazy that people say that it seems like the consensus from what I've seen at least People are saying that the second one is better than the first, and I just flat out disagree. But I mean, hey, to each their own. Yeah, actually, now that you mention it, I I think I remember seeing that in a lot of reviews that it it's generally regarded as the superior of the two. I I haven't seen either of them. I'm kind of shocked that you know it's it's a monster movie. It's a contemporary monster movie with a funny gimmick. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, and yet I haven't seen them. I mean, but, they're both know, good. I mean, it's it's not like the second one's a piece of shit or anything it's just <laughs> definitely just feels like all right we've kind of been here done that didn't really bring much new to the table all right well i'll i'll get to them when i get to oh them. yeah um but yeah I've, I've heard they're both good um and beside that we have a uh, a curious release one that i most certainly will not be purchasing but this is a movie that i bring up in conversation every once in a while just to see if people remember it uh, because the marketing push for this movie was kind of extraordinary uh, this is Brotherhood of the Wolf uh, from Shout Factory. This is a Christoph Gans film. Uh, so I believe uh, this is the fellow that directed Silent Hill. Yes. And uh, Crying Freeman, which was a, another uh, collaboration he did with Mark Dacascos. Uh This is a French director. It's a French language film. It's also a period, place, uh, period piece, rather. And I want to say that because it came out in 2001, what we were doing was we were using the strength of a Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon uh, to get people to go to the cinema to see a foreign film that not not just a foreign film, but a foreign period film with martial arts, uh, which was a bizarre combination, but it somehow worked. But yeah, the marketing push for this movie, I remember, was real big. Hmm. Like they really tried to make this a thing. I don't think its legacy is held up. But I want to say that this was like talked about a lot in a, like award season and stuff. Okay, yeah. Um, I I'd never really, I don't know. I was off on a beach somewhere, I guess, when that was going on because I this got announced from Scream Factory, and uh, I saw people were like, "Oh my gosh!" Like they were losing their minds, and I'm like, "What? I, what is this?" I was like, "This was like blew my mind." Yeah, I I would recommend checking it out again for historical purposes. Because this came out in 2001, it was a very French film that I think, like I said, had a had a mainstream U.S. theatrical release. Mm-hmm. Like like they really tried to push this and make it a thing. I, again, I want to say they were just trying to repeat the success that Sony had with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, because that was a fucking phenomenon the year before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I don't love this film. I I remember renting it and my mom and I joking about how incredibly fucking French it was, uh, especially when you get towards like some of the uh, the plot resolutions where it's like I don't think they would have done that in an American film. It's like that's, philosophically that seems a little weird, but okay. Yeah. Um. 
but yeah, it, it is a Christoph Gans film. So from a visual standpoint, it has quite a bit to offer. Although from a visual standpoint, uh, not very high marks on Blu-ray.com. This thing is only getting a 2.5 out of 5 for its uh, picture quality. So I haven't yikes. seen a star rating like that in a long time. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's that's like real. That's real bad. Yeah. You have to try to fuck it up that bad. <laughs> <laughs> also, they say uh, there's a making of documentary and it says note. The documentary is in French, but subtitles are missing for a few minutes around 2140, 5115, and 5535. Oh, boy. Oh, they gave no fucks on this one. <laughs> <laughs> like, they brought Jonathan Taylor Thomas to work the, the computer that day. <laughs> yeah, every time there's a, like, a fuck up on a Blu-ray, they should just post the pic- that picture of him. Just Yeah. I mean that instead of apologizing, <laughs> just, just put that up. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I mean, it was just one of those days. Yeah. What are you gonna say? <laughs> um, beside that, though, we have an Arrow release. Of, I believe this has come out um, previous, maybe not in 4K though. Uh, this is a uh, the Bird with the Crystal Plumage, which is a very famous Jalo film, mm-hmm. if I remember correct. Yep. Yeah, Dario Argento's debut. Uh, yeah, it is making its debut on 4K. Um, I, I really like this film. I guess I've only seen it the one time because I own the Arrow Blu-ray, um, but I really do like it. And, and I, I think it, it would look good in 4K, but for the price to upgrade when I've already got a pretty pretty handsome set, I'm probably not going to upgrade. But uh, for those who have not seen it, it is a really good film, and I'd say a really good like introduction to get into Giallo because it's – pretty straightforward but it you know it's still got its stylistic elements and it, it's fun yeah i one of these days i gotta just do a deep dive into giallo because i i still haven't actually checked it out mm-hmm. like it's a genre i know very very well by reputation i even bought a fucking documentary about it for kyle um <laughs> but i've never actually watched a movie from the genre front to back um so maybe we'll do a whole month on that or something if kyle can stomach that um but Moving on down, uh, we're getting into the goods, Brad. Getting into some Vin Sin, Hell as you yeah. like to call it. We got Vinegar Syndrome, and my God, this cover art is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, the Lamp mm-hmm. from 1987 from Vinegar Syndrome. Wow, I don't know a damn thing about that, but I want that on my shelf. Yeah, I, I don't know a ton about it either. I know it's like uh, some sort of genie horror, um, which, you know, there's not not a ton of, not a ton of these days. But uh, yeah, that cover art is nice, and the uh, the back of the slip cover is really good looking as well. Um, it's like a guy whose body is like twisted in half, and like the the part of his body that is like twisted over is like just off the slip cover. But it, it's pretty cool looking. Yeah, folks at home, if you if you're too lazy to fucking look it up, and I know you are, uh, <laughs> basically the cover is it's a painting of a lamp, and uh, with fumes spewing out of it and all the the plumes the smoke kind of forms into faces and like monstrous figures it, it's really striking i like it a lot like just as a piece of art couldn't care less about the movie but um we also have a, a few other vinegar syndrome releases in the form of killer's delight from 1978 if i had to say between all of the vinegar syndrome releases uh which was the strongest i would say the lamp and killer's delight the weakest uh, we also have Through the Fire, which is probably my number two uh, from 1988. That looks kind of cool. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have the Beastmaster from on 4K from 1982, and this is apparently like a second printing or something because I actually own the 4K of Beastmaster from Vinegar Syndrome, mm-hmm. um, and it bears a different cover. Yeah, this is just um, like the standard edition. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, uh, all four of those look pretty pretty enticing. The lamp though gets my my bid for like one that's like, ooh, that's real fucking tempting. Yeah, it's when they have a month like this where it's like, yeah, I kind of would pick up all three of those where you're like man i should really become a subscriber but not quite there yet we'll see it could happen soon it could happen soon Eh, someday brad someday but uh, we also have another arrow release uh vengeance trails this appears to be uh four classic westerns uh what is this deadlock 4k subculture entertainment yeah 1970 this is another like a vinegar syndrome partner label Um, oh okay so yeah, it's uh, some sort of I think it's German. I want to say it's like a German western. Uh, the other films listed under Subculture Entertainment appear to also be German. Okay. So that would be my guess. Yeah. So. Uh. Yeah, I can't speak for its quality, but if you're if you're really into this kind of obscure uh, genre cinema, might be worth an investment. Um. Let's see what else we got. Oh, we got a apparently Shiva Baby got delayed or something because we've talked about this at least for the past two months. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a film from 2020 that has a really awesome premise. I also would like to check this out. Um, appears to be officially releasing this month, hopefully. Yeah, I think, I think <laughs> it might be just like uh, sometimes they put it on here. If it's only like at first, it's only available through Vinegar Syndrome's website and then. It's also now it's available through like other retailers, maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that could be the case. I I don't know how it works, but it is always funny when it's like I, that looks really fucking yeah. familiar. <laughs> and in the case of this one, it's like I know for a fucking fact that I talked about that yep. thirty days ago. <laughs> um, but uh, it's a nice reminder though, because uh, when you told me what it was about, I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. Um, we got a bunch of re-releases uh brad what what do you what do you got for me um there's a another shout factory scream factory movie chamber of horrors um at 1960s i want to say this was like a one of those gimmicky horror films uh like when you would go see it there'd be some sort of gimmick yeah Special in-film devices called the fear flasher and the horror horn cue viewers to the terror in this fright fest so it's one of those things if you're into that kind of uh those kind of old novelty horror releases could be worth picking up. <laughs> Alrighty, um, well we have something called uh, Golden Arm from 2020. Uh, this is also from Utopia Distribution, who apparently are handling some version of Shiva Baby as well. Uh, this appears to be over the top, but with women arm wrestling instead. Uh, it has the uh, it has the the 80s glow all over the cover art which tells me it's probably probably in the same spirit as the canon films produced over the top um can't speak to its quality but it's a novel concept i I suppose um what is this alien from la brad does is that worth anything um (laughs) this it's another uh vinegar syndrome release uh i think like again it's been out for i think it came out with their halfway to black friday releases so this might maybe it's just now available from other retailers um i'm trying to it's not loading for me the director i feel like is somebody actually somewhat notable and this was like actually a big bomb for their career but uh it's not loading for me so (laughs) 
Yeah, Brad, I think I think we uh we broke the Blu-ray.com website yeah. from overuse. Yeah. Uh, this is what happens when podcasters abuse the Blu-ray.com website. Um, because I'm having the same issue, but I will say this much: uh, Midnight in the Switchgrass, 2021, uh, a new challenger has emerged. Because Diana Gunfight thought it was the most Lionsgate cover that could ever Lionsgate, but then the Midnight in the Switchgrass stepped up and said, "Hey, guess what? We're gonna put Bruce Willis and Megan Fox on the cover of our cop drama." So there. <laughs> yeah, it's not a Lionsgate true cover if it doesn't have a uh, Bruce Willis on it. I mean, let's be honest. He's he's kind of required at this point. Although I am kind of shocked. I don't see wow, I don't see a drawn weapon. Like like nobody's holding any firearms. Like how am I supposed to know I need to buy it if there's no guns on the cover? That's true. That's true. Yeah. It, it's required. It's code. It's the only thing that's missing. I, I know I already said it, but we were living in a society the last time <laughs> I checked. Uh, um, yeah, the rest of our releases appear to be television series and re-releases. So I think I'm ready to call it good, Brad. Yeah, I think so as well. Okay, well, as we tend to do here, uh, we'll wrap things up with just uh, pointing out anything that we already have purchased or plan to purchase uh, so i'll give brad a few minutes here to collect his thoughts as i skim backwards through the release calendar uh so for me i did mention that uh there were a lot of discs i had already purchased and i want to say there aren't that many that i will pick up in addition to that um it was nice being reminded that equilibrium and mimic exist uh, those have been released on Blu-ray multiple times, but I have a soft spot for both of those films. Um, I do need to see The Dead Zone at some point, uh, and The Lamp from Vinegar Syndrome is beautiful to look at. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not willing to gim- I'm not willing to gamble on the on the film itself, though. So I probably wait, wait till the up. next sale. The next sale, it's going to be here in uh, several months. It's right around the corner. <laughs> several, <laughs> several months. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep that in mind but um hydra like i said already picked it up i'm really excited to check it out again gangs of london already got it really excited to check that out whenever the fuck i check <laughs> it out uh the go-go boys already paid for it but uh it's been delayed severely so it might be a minute before it gets to my door uh the wraith already got it already watched it uh eight-legged freaks is a maybe um Although I'd, I'd, I'd rather just watch that than pay for it. Uh, Tremors 2 is tempting as well. <laughs> uh, the Great Gabo is the greatest title ever. Um, you know what? Mortal Kombat, when I find that in a bargain bin, I'll buy that. But beyond that, mm-mm, mm-mm. Could be a good Black Friday purchase. Actually, yeah. That's what it's made yeah. for, probably. Um, Wrath of Man. I might actually go buy that like right now yeah now that i now that i'm reminded that it's available um deep cover is also a big maybe uh i was really impressed with what i saw from that um that was almost sabotage um and i think that's about it for me brad uh what what about you well uh i already have the wraith so i got that I will probably be picking up House of Wax, the House of Wax remake. Um, I would, I would get Wrath of Man, but uh, I mean, maybe if it gets re- real cheap in price before the end of the year, maybe because I would like to 
potentially revisit it. I mean, this year has been pretty pretty shitty for movies as well. So this could, I mean, this thing's probably, I mean, it's probably going to make it in my top ten, let's be honest. So we'll wait on that, but uh, it would have been a day one if it was 4K. Um, I will probably get, I will get Eight-Legged Freaks. Uh, I'm definitely going to pick that one up. Um, let's see. And uh, probably the Dead Zone. I'll probably get the Dead Zone because it's been a while since I've seen it. I'll probably revisit that. So, quite a few uh, Scream Factory titles this uh, this month. I guess they own it this month. I guess that's that's how it is. Yeah, I noticed that that uh, they they kind of like dumped all their shit in July. Yeah. Um, I saw a ton of their discs come out this month. But uh, what about the Mortal Engines, Brad? Uh I can't. Can't justify it. Maybe if somebody took my regular 4K off my hands, but although I I don't I have kind of stopped buying Steelbook 4Ks, so it, no, it's it's a no. Even though they released it specifically for me, I can't do it. Yeah, so Brad's gonna be perusing the aisles at whatever video store he's at, and he's gonna see that Steelbook. He's gonna give it the Terrence Howard next time, baby. I mean, <laughs> if they want to send it to me for free. I'll promote the hell out of it, but I'm not gonna buy it. <laughs> I've, I've given them enough promotion already. Yeah, you should uh, tag Hugo Weaving and Peter Jackson. And <laughs> <laughs> like, oh shit, we have a chance to make our money back on Mortal Engines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure, go nuts. Uh, well, yeah, it's a it's a pretty good month. July twenty twenty one is a pretty good month yep. for physical media. So uh, both of us seem like we already purchased a lot of stuff, and we have stuff on our shopping list. So yeah, it's a pretty solid month, but. Uh, that's about it for our catching up on Blu-ray for the July 2021. But before we go, uh, Brad, thank you so much for joining me. It's always great to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. And uh, before we sign off, uh, you want to let the folks at home know where they can find you and your awesome podcast? Yeah, sure. We are on Twitter at The Cinema Speak, on Instagram, Cinema Speak Podcast on youtube as cinema speak and also you can find us on the webs on online on a web page at uh, cinemaspeak.libsyn.com yeah brad uh very recently started up his youtube channel and uh, he's been posting some really awesome unboxings and reviews and whatnot uh, definitely check them out it's, it's a lot of fun thank you yeah oh, I, I always look forward to seeing those while i should be working you gave me all <laughs> the best ideas for the gags so i, I should be thanking oh. you well, no problem, man. I'm 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 glad that it ended up being useful yeah. to you. Um, yeah, folks at home, if you're not aware, I I stole Brad's footage from him, his raw footage, and I I cut it together in my own way. And uh, he asked for permission to just like, can I like borrow some of these ideas because they're like not terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, sure. Yeah, my initial thought was like, I'm just like, I'm just gonna do like one long shot of this. I'm not gonna really do any editing. I don't want to put much time into this. And you sent me that, and I'm like, oh, this is too good. I've got to start doing this. This is great. <laughs> well, just just uh, sleep soundly, knowing that I have footage of you that I can make gifts and stupid fucking clips of. So, <laughs> <laughs> if you ever wrong me, Brad, I could destroy you online. I'll stay on your good side. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> okay well uh thanks for sharing all the details and stuff about where to find your podcast but uh if you'd like to catch up on any of our other catching up on cinema content uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com uh, we also have a couple social media accounts in the form of an instagram at catching up on cinema as well as a twitter at catching cinema so feel free to hit me up at either of those 
And the podcast is available on pretty much any platform you can imagine, including Cephalopod. So fucking Google it. Uh, but that being said, thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.